What's up, Fight fans? Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Final Timeout Sports Podcast. Uh, this is our UFC chapter named The Mat. Um, my name is Forbes Crowley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Fernando Doctors. Here is the 30-second breakdown on what we're going to be doing today. We're going to start off with going over the main card of UFC 276, which might be the most star-studded UFC event in the past couple of years. We're starting it off with Sugar Sean O'Malley, followed by Ruthless Robbie Lawler, and then Sean Strickland versus the young Alex Pereira, and then we are going to have two title fights, seeing Alexander Volkanovsky and the blessed Max Holloway get in the ring for a third time, and Israel Adesanya will take on the killer gorilla, Jared Cannonier. Let's jump right in. And the first fight on the main card, we have Pedro Munez, who is the ninth-ranked bantamweight, versus Sugar Sean O'Malley, ranked 13th. Nando, what are you excited about in this fight? Give me some Sugar Show. I'm excited to see Sean O'Malley back out there in the octagon. Let's remember, Sean O'Malley is this long fighter who's extremely hard to hit, a bit elusive, like one of our favorites here on the title, our boy Iggy, Izzy, sorry, Adesanya. So I think that for this one, Forbes, um, it's got to be Sugar Show. Um, I think that he's going to be elusive here. I think that um, he's really going to, he's going to give, um, he's going to give his competitor a hard time here, to be honest. And I'm going to have to go with O'Malley because he's, He's more live for the knockout, and he'll be throwing more. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think this is an interesting one. I'm, I'm excited. I think it's insane that this one's uh, this one's starting the card off. Um, but I think I think people are, are, are sleeping on Munoz a little bit. The young Punisher, as he's uh, as he's called. I mean, he uh, he has had uh, nearly 30 pro fights, and he's never been knocked down. So he's lost. Four out of his last five, but the man's never been knocked out. He's not, he, he if he loses, he's going to lose by um, decision. So I think we need to keep that in mind. Uh, I don't expect a spectacular knockout uh, from Sugar Show this time, um, even though I know he's saying that he wants to get that. Um, I do see him winning. I think that his speed and, like you said, his lankiness is going to be a pretty big um, advantage for him. He's you know he's out there pretending to dribble a basketball between his legs mid-fight. Um, you know, I think he's going to get in, get out, make his hits, um, great combos, he's a great kickboxer. Um, and so I think he's going to get win by decision. I do think uh, that he needs to be careful not to tire himself out. I think we saw a little bit with the uh, Chris Moutinho uh, fight where he was just punching the brakes off that kid. Um he got tired a little bit at the end, and Munoz actually hit him with a uh, Martino hit him with a, a couple uh, shots, and uh, I mean he still came back and, and destroyed him, and it wasn't nearly enough. But uh, I think he's got to manage his cardio, and I think as always he needs to be careful with his kicks because that's you know the reason that he has one loss, although he'll dispute it to Marlon Chito Vera was he you know dancing around, moving, and he got a little careless with a kick and broke his ankle, so. Um, right. I do think that, that O'Malley has this by, uh, I think he's going to get a win by unanimous decision, but, um, I obviously I think that the hype train is very much, uh, warranted for O'Malley. Um, but I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a dog fight and I think O'Malley's probably going to get hit more than he has in any of his other UFC fights. Interesting take there. I'm going to go O'Malley TKO second round. All right. So we'll have to, uh, yeah, we'll have to see next week. Have a think of a nice uh, punishment for the winners and the losers. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, next we got uh, on the main card. We move to Robbie Lawler, Robbie Ruthless Lawler, um, Robbie Lawler versus man. Brian Bam Bam Barbarina. Um, I mean, this. Seeing, being able to see Robbie Lawler fight is just a gift. I mean, obviously he hasn't been the most Amen. active in previous years. I mean, um, he's you know he, he got his win 
I believe it was earlier or, uh, last year against um, Nick Diaz in kind of a, a rematch of some old heads. Um, but before that, he's you know he's lost by unanimous decision, lost by unanimous decision. We look at the Ben Askren fight where he lost by submission in the first round. I think that one was bullshit. It was called too early. He had, bought, he had Ben Askren on the ropes, and uh, I think there was a miscommunication with the ref there. Um, but he's, you know, he he's getting older, I think, um, and he just he doesn't necessarily have the same knockout power that he might have uh, might have used to have. Um, so he's and he's forty years old and. Fabrena is 33. There's a seven-year age difference, and I think that is going to show. Um, I, we, we all know that Robbie Lawler's not getting knocked out. He's, there's, you know, we can argue maybe submission, but even that's um, questionable. I think that um, if there is a stoppage, it's going to be Robbie Lawler getting his hand raised. Um, but, you know, Bam Bam, just looking up some stats earlier, and he is uh, – he lands 5.61 significant strikes per minute uh, to Rawler's, uh, Lawler, sorry, uh, 3.73, which was a surprising statistic for me. Um, And so I think he's going to have to be, he's going to have to fight a clean fight overall. Uh, But I think think he's going to come out with a unanimous decision. I think that, um, again, it's going to be, Managing your cardio against a fighter who's not going to stop coming at you in Robbie Lawler. I mean, dude will, yeah, he, he will not stop until he gets pulled off or he's, um, you know, unconscious in some some extent. But um, I, I do think that, that Bob Arena gets it done and gets a, gets a win by a unanimous decision. Fours, man. I'm going to have to agree with all your points, really. I mean, you already mentioned that the former champion in Robbie Lawler, although he is an absolute legend, he is indeed 40 years old and seven old, seven years older than our boy Bam Bam. Therefore, I do see it tough for him to, to come on top here. I'm going to have to agree with you on the unanimous decision going the distance. Yeah. And it's 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 one of those that you never enjoy uh, never enjoy saying that because it's mm-hmm. it's a guy that I mean it's an absolute legend of the sport and a guy who, who dominated the welterweight division but he's you know age doesn't uh, doesn't wait for anybody so um, next up we have uh, a really interesting uh, middleweight bout. We were supposed to have the Misha Tate uh, Lauren Murphy bout. It was a women's flyweight bout, but uh, it was canceled after Murphy tested positive for COVID. Um, That's right. Yeah, nothing to really note on that now. I think, uh, but I think both those women were hoping to get a, a title shot out of that fight. So we'll see. I think uh, maybe later. Yeah, later in July, we'll we'll see that. Um, but now, yeah, we have. Sean Strickland versus Alex Poton Pereira. We have Strickland coming in at a plus 100 underdog, 25-3-0, and Pereira being the minus 120 favorite at a 5-1 uh, record. I want to I wanna hear your take on, on Pereira before I say anything here. Okay, so this one this one's an interesting one because we know Pereira is an unbelievable kickboxer, mm-hmm. and but I would say his best attribute is probably power. Um, that being said, I might have to fade him, but we'll fade him with caution because Pereira I think is more than capable at any moment of getting a knockout with a big shot here, but I do want to back Strickland on this one because I do think he has that grappling edge and mm-hmm. that bit more experience that will allow him to, you know, win some rounds and win in return by, you know, split decision going the distance. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I uh it, looking at Pereira's is obviously really interesting because, you know, he's got a got a, uh, a 5 and 1 um, record so he's clearly it's like where's this where's this guy been um, to already be fighting Strickland and you know Dana White's been saying the winner of this uh, will fight will potentially fight Izzy if Izzy also wins on this card um, so you're like how does how does this guy get this uh, 
this card, and I think that uh, so a lot of his notoriety came from the fact that yes, he is this incredible kickboxer, um, and his biggest claim to fame is the fact that he's beaten the current middleweight champ Israel, the last style bender Adesanya twice um, in kickboxing. One of which was a brutal knockout. I believe it was the only one of uh, Izzy's, the only time Izzy's ever been knocked out. Um, and this thing, like, he's out cold on the floor. So that's just skyrocketed his uh, his stock in the UFC. So, um, and I, and I rewatched his um, his debut because I thought it was interesting. I wanted to see how he's kind of he, he translates and he absolutely ripped uh, Andrea Andreas uh, Martelidis with a with a flying knee that sent him out cold and. Um, that's something that I think just the kind of intangible type uh, strikes like that are going to make the difference in this fight. I think, um, I mean, but at the same time, Strickland's not going to get knocked out. Um, he's an absolute monster. Some may call him an asshole. He's the guy who's, you know, knocking out his sparring partners and um, saying super weird stuff, admitting that he had a <laughs> neo-Nazi past uh that was really weird but i he's he's a savage he's a dog i mean he's uh, he's not gonna get knocked out and um that's why i've been i mean i it's kind of been the story of these these first three fights on the card i don't see one of these guys going out um before the bell hits um so i'm gonna go with Pereira by unanimous decision because i think he's a little more Technical, I think he's a little more clean. I think um, Strickland can get a little sloppy and just be like, "Hey, man, like let's let's brawl, let's do it." Um, and I think that'll get him in trouble with um, Pereira with uh, Potan, as his nickname is. But um, I think it's going to be a close one. I don't, I don't, I, I don't see either of them getting the knockout. That's what I will say. And I, uh, I do, I do see both of them calling Izzy out after the fight. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, it's when then you know. We'll get there in a sec, but uh, so let's talk about the rematch of the rematch: Alexander the Great Volkanovsky versus Max Blessed Holloway. I mean, it's I'm, I'm so excited for this. Uh, Volkanovsky coming in at the minus uh, one ninety favorite with a record of twenty four one and zero. Max. Plus one sixty underdog 20, 23, 6 and zero, um, and granted, you know, two of those losses, two of his six losses have come to uh, Volkanovski. So, let me hear your thoughts. I want to, I, I want to know what you think. Forbes, for me, the best pound for pound fighters in the game are, as we know, Kamaru Usman, mm-hmm. Israel Adesanya. Yep. And I'm going to throw Alexander Volkanovsky in there as well. This guy is just a menace. Yeah. An absolute menace. And just not to be not to be boring or redundant, but I just, Forbes, I just don't see anybody at featherweight beating the champ. I, I struggle to see that. And I think that he will sweep the trilogy. Mm. That being said... I do think this one will go the, the distance, but I do think it'll be a unanimous decision in favor of Volkanovski. But I mean, I think that just like, I think a very important aspect to keep in mind is just the leg kick when you're thinking Volkanovski, mm-hmm. right? I think he's going to yeah. wear Holloway down from the beginning, you know? Yeah. I think that I anticipate him, you know, maybe perhaps throwing in, you know, a little bit of wrestling this, this time around, mm-hmm. but... As far as, you know, Holloway, I have to tip my hat. He He's a great fighter. He's an amazing striker, you know. He he goes at you with good pace, you know. He keeps the fights exciting, but I just think that Volkanovski is just a, a different breed, to be honest, and one that just will not give up his throne too easy. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about this fight. Like, you have no idea. I, I, I'm so angry that it's Wednesday right now um but I first of all I think one crazy stat among a bunch of crazy stats I'm about to throw out is uh if they make it past the second round these guys are gonna have spent over an 
hour of time locked inside that ring together. Can you imagine? Like, that, oh that's an goodness. insane <laughs> amount of time um, to spend fighting one other person. Um, so, first, looking at Volkanovski, the man's 24-1-0. His only loss, uh, only career loss is coming in his fourth fight, fourth career fight in 2013. That's when he was fighting at welterweight, which is 170 pounds. Okay, I mean, they, they're uh-huh. fighting at featherweight, which is 145. So that's 25 pounds less. He's never lost in his weight classes. He's never lost in the UFC. Kind of an asterisk if you're going to look at the last Holloway fight, but I'll get to that in a second. In addition, the dude used to play rugby, you want, and he used to weigh about 240 pounds. So he used Whoa. to weigh about 95 pounds more than his division's weight. So when you talk about just a compact, absolutely muscle-bound dude, I think Volkanovski is that picture-perfect guy. I mean, it's insane. The dude is obviously he's he's very short, and you know technically it says he has a reach advantage um, over Holloway, but we know that's not true when you count legs and overall length. Um, but he's just he's a dense, hard-hitting dude, and. Yeah, I think uh, I think he won the first fight. I'm not going to deny that in the slightest. I think he absolutely destroyed Holloway's front leg. Um, that uh, you know Holloway likes to switch around and move, uh, switch stances when it's beneficial for him. Um, but you know he was being forced to move, switch stances because his leg, his, his lead leg was feeling so terrible. So um, that threw him out of his rhythm. Um, and I think, you know, he also was just, I think, the more, the more efficient uh, and effective striker overall. He, he, he landed 75 significant leg and calf kicks during that fight, um, which was pretty nuts. You had a fight two, and honestly, I was a little blown away that this went to Volkanovski. Um, I thought that uh, Holloway did a great job adjusting from fight one to fight two. Um, with the leg kicks, and um, he was checking some of them. He was responding with some of his own. Um, he got two knockdowns um, in, I believe, the first two rounds. Um, and you know, it seemed, in my opinion, I thought he was he was gonna um, he was gonna take it uh, take it back. Mm-hmm. I think I think part of the problem is that. Um, when you're a champion and you're fighting in a champ in a title fight, um, you almost don't have to do as much. We've seen kind of that comment get brought up a lot, um, and honestly, I think that's the reason that that this was the case here. So, and you know, again, no 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 fight's going to be the same. No two fights going to be the same. No third fight is definitely not going to be the same. Um, so, I think we you know we got to kind of to some extent throw the 50 minutes uh, of ring time out out the window. Um, and this is going to be a completely new fight. I think both fighters are going to do a lot of different things than they did in the first two. Um, and at the end of the day, I I have Holloway by uh, TKO in the fourth round. I think that wow. uh, yeah yeah. I mean I think he's he, he's going to get uh, you know the, the he knocked uh, he knocked Volkanovski down twice in the first uh, two rounds of their second fight, and Volkanovski sprang right back up. It, it was clearly like you know. He caught me with a little one, went down, got right back up. I'm good. Um, but I think that he's going to get one that that dropped Volkanovski for a little longer, and I think he's going to be able to get some ground and pound in, and I think he's going to do some damage and finally finish um, Volkanovski and give him a loss um, in the UFC uh, and in the um, featherweight division. I also, I think, you know, and obviously you don't have a third fight if, the first and second weren't extremely close, especially because they went to one guy. So, um, right. I mean, I I couldn't be more excited for this fight. I think this is going to be absolutely insane. And the fact that it is just an appetizer to the main course that we're, we're going to have is, is insane. So, without further ado, let's talk about our absolute favorite fighter in the UFC. Let's go! Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya versus... Jared, the killer gorilla cannoneer. I mean, we got Stylebender coming in at a minus 400 favorite with a 22-1-0 um, 
record. Cannoneers a plus three ten uh, underdog with a fifteen and five career. Um, let me know. Let's hear it. So Forbes, I'm actually going to deflect back to you, but I'm going to give you an interesting question. What does Cannoneer have to do in this fight to win? Because I think let's cut to the chase a bit here. I think we both have our boy Adesanya winning this one, but what does Cannoneer have to do to win? Yeah, I think that's a good call, so we don't get uh, get too similar with our comments here. I think um, that that's what I thought about a lot uh, with this fight. I think um, Izzy's fought just about every type of fighter you have. You you know, um, Kelvin Gesselum was just going to come forward and he was going to throw bombs, but he was also um, going to protect well um, and be able to eat tough, tough shots that Izzy was Izzy was sneaking in there. Um, and then, you know, we have Whitaker in fight two who kind of, you know, played it back, played it loose, um, didn't rush mm-hmm. forward, um, won by, you know, unanimous decision. In the in the Gesslum fight, he, you know, there are 20 more seconds on that clock, he, might, he may have finished him. Um, and, you know, then we thought he, he fights Paula Costa, this absolute monster, and he's going to... Um, you know, he walks down all his opponents. He's going to be the first guy to, you know, really throw Izzy off his rhythm. Um, and he he played it different than he usually does, and he got destroyed. He tried to, you know, wait and see, wait and throw. And Izzy destroyed him with the leg kicks. I mean, his, his leg, it looked dis- absolutely disgusting. And then, he, yeah, that was, I mean, I remember watching that with you. That was, it was brutal. Um, and then, you know, by the time you can't really move off that front leg as he's jumping right in and he's, he's you know, he dropped uh, Costa, which had never happened before. And, uh, or I'm sorry, that had happened, but he'd, he ended him, which obviously had never happened. And so I, I think it's, you look at the one loss that, Izzy has ever had to Jan, the Polish power, Blahovich. Um, granted, that was going up, uh, what is that, uh, 20 pounds? To, uh, light yeah. heavyweights, 205? Yeah. Um, so, obviously, Jan had the most amount of success because he had the most body weight and, and just power over Izzy. Um, just he couldn't get up. Yeah, he couldn't get up. and went, So, he took him down and he, and he made him stay down. So, I think... That the one thing that Cannoneer has for him is he used to be a heavyweight. The dude started his career at heavyweight, went seven and zero before he came to the UFC. He fought twice at heavyweight uh, and went one and one. He moved to light heavyweight. Um, he won his first fight and then uh, lost three of four. It's really important to note that those three losses came against Jan Bohovic. And Glover Teixeira, the two former uh, light heavyweight champs, um, and Dominic Reyes, who twice has challenged for the light heavyweight belt, and some would argue beat John Jones for that light heavyweight belt. So he lost three of his losses um, were before he moved up to, uh, or sorry, down to middleweight, and uh, three of them were. Two or two were to former champions. One was a title challenger. So, um, I think using his the fact that you know he's got a he's got a big man frame and he gets down to to one eighty five somehow. Honestly, I mean when you, you you know usually as your career goes on you move uh, you move up divisions as those weight cuts get harder. But he has managed to somehow go the absolute opposite way. Um, you know he's. Five and one since he moved to middleweight. Uh, his one loss was a unanimous decision to Robert Whitaker, which was a, I think, a great, great fight. Um, and I mean, he KO'd uh, Brunson, which was nuts. Which was insane. Uh, that was, I mean, those that just kind of spinning that, or no, that uh, that that forearm, just small punch, and, and that power. So I think. The biggest thing for Cannoneer to try and make this, you know, uh, give himself a chance to win this fight and win the title is 
you got to take it. You got to find a way to get Izzy to the ground because the only person who's been able to do that and keep him there has won. You know, Vittori did that a little bit. You could tell he was trying to, but Izzy had also clearly worked on his scrambling since the Blahovich fight and was able to get up. So you got to get Izzy down. You got to keep him down, which you know only a dude weighing twenty pounds more than Izzy has been able to do ever. It's true. Man, I can't wait for that fight. Yeah. Love watching Adesanya, man. Yeah. Nothing's I'm, better. It, it, this is, uh, is going to be one of the absolute craziest cards uh, I've ever I've ever witnessed. And I'm, yeah, it's going to be nuts. This oh, is awesome. So what do you, and, what do you uh, have for Adesanya? And uh, we, we just hit our, uh, hit our bell. Uh, so that is the end of round one for this first episode of The Mat, and I will see you for round two. What's up, fight fans? Welcome to round two of The Mat, the inaugural podcast of the final timeout sports. I am Forbes Crowley, joined by my co-host, Fernando Doctors, and we are going to be talking about UFC 276, the early prelims through the prelims right here. So, Nando... Take it away. What do you think about Jessica Rose Clark versus Julia Stoliarenko? Let me give you something, Forbes. Mm-hmm. Stoliarenko has eight armbar wins. Really? Did you hear that? Eight under her belt. And you ask, Jessica Rose Clark goes down last fight due to an armbar submission. I'm taking Stoliarenko armbar submission second round. That that is some research that I I'm not gonna lie I did not look into. Um, my notes are a little sparse on this first fight. I know that um, Stolyarenko has lost all three of her UFC fights, um, and Clark has seven fights in the UFC, of which she's only lost three, which including her last one, I guess, to an armbar. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> But I, I just think that Stoliarenko doesn't have what it takes to, to be in the UFC. Um, she, you know, she got her chance to, to make it. She's lost three, I think, in, in this one. We go uh, Clark by unanimous decision, and come Monday or Tuesday, Stoliarenko's, uh is off the UFC roster. Interesting. I respect the take. Yeah, and, uh, you know... Gone to uh, onto a next fight. We probably don't have a, a whole lot to, to talk about. Um, we got Jessica Evil Eye versus uh, Macy Macy the Future Barber. We got uh, Jessica Evil Eye, uh, fifteen ten and out career coming in the plus two ten underdog uh, with uh, Barber minus two sixty. Sorry, uh, favorite at a ten two and zero. And this is a women's 125 flyweight bout. What's your thoughts? I think that this this fight's really going to go down to the mat, right? Who can take control on the mat? And Mm. to that, the easy answer is Macy Barber. I think she's more aggressive. I think that this is going to be an easy one for her, to be honest. I think that she's going to go more or less every round with a win, whether or not she's able to, you know get the submission i think she doesn't i think she wins by decision but i think she has absolute control in this fight yeah i i'm gonna have to agree with you on that one um you know i just guy evil eye sorry uh you know she she fought for the belt and the flyweight belt in uh 2019 against uh valentina and i'm sure you can guess what happened she was ko'd in the second round um and since that fight, she's only had one win. She's lost her last three. Um, you know, Barber has 13 fewer fights. She's won three of her last five and is on a two-fight win streak. Uh, in this, I think that just the toll of, of having 25 fights uh, takes, you know, shows in this this uh fight and i think yeah barber by by unanimous decision i I agree with you on that one nice nice all right so last we got uriah hall 
Uriah Primetime Hall versus Andre Sergipano Muniz. We got Hall as a plus 230 underdog with an 18 and 10 uh, record. Muniz is a minus 280 um, favorite with a 22, 4, and 0 record for this middleweight bout. What do you think? So I do think Muniz has the has the edge here. And again, I'm going to have to say it's on the mat. You know, I think that Muniz is, is dangerous. I think that he could really cause Uriah Hall some issues here. Fun fact, Forbes, Uriah Hall has never been submitted. Is that a verb? We're going to say it is. Yeah, 100%. He has never been lost. He has never lost by submission. And you know what, Forbes? This could be the first one. Hmm. I'm going to go Muniz submission round three. That is interesting. Um, first, I just want to appreciate you sneaking the mat in there again. Um, <laughs> and second, you, you've got more submissions on these these cards than I do. I will tell you, I <laughs> I did not go submissions. I probably should have for a couple. We got a couple submission artists in these uh, this UFC 276. But um, first, I just wanted to note the fact that. Uh, this is a top 15 uh, middleweight bout on the early prelims. Uriah Hall is ranked 9th mm-hmm. and Muniz is 13th. The fact that they are on the prelims is insane. That's just a credit to how nuts and star-studded this, uh, this card is. It's um, a blessing. So, but to the actual, you know, aspects of the fight... Hall, Uriah Hall hasn't hasn't fought since he lost a unanimous decision to to Strickland, but before that he was on a pretty dominant uh, four fight win streak, losing to only Paula Costa, who of course challenged for the middleweight belt against Izzy and was demolished. Uh, Muniz, on the other hand, I mean he's on an eight fight win streak, and yeah, you're right, he's absolutely dominating. His last three wins have come by submission. Um, He's five years younger than Hall. Definitely gives him the age advantage. I I went the other way with the submission. I thought the fact that Hall has never been su- uh, submitted, I think that that makes this a bad matchup for Muniz. I think that Hall is going to cause some problems for him. Um, and I think that overall, Hall is going to be technically more sound and, and get the win by decision. Might be split. I won't. I won't say it's unanimous, but I think he. I think Hall gets the win by decision. Interesting little underdog value there at two thirty. You know, you, you can't. You can't quit. Uh, or you can't pick. Uh, pick all the favorites here. Of course, of course not. So that was just the end of the early prelims. Now we're gonna. Now we're gonna move to the prelims, uh, where the first fight that we do have is. Um, Brad Quake Tavares, yes, versus uh, uh, or wait, sorry, yes, versus uh, Driscus. Do uh, no, sorry, that's not his nickname. I was looking at uh, I was looking at Brad Riddell because I forgot this uh, this fight got moved up to the uh, the early prelims. Sorry about that. That was bad in my notes. Um, we got Brad Tavares with no nickname. And then um, we have Dreykus still knocks Duplacis. Um, after my fumbling error there, I'll let you go first on this one. <laughs> well, you know what, Forbes? Give me Brad No Name Tavares on this one, to be honest. Mm. Um, I think that, you know what, if he, does, if he isn't able to, you know, give Tavares the, that run for his money early on, which I expect, you know, as he is a powerful striker, I don't think he's going to win this one if it goes to a decision, and that's where I see this fight. I'm taking that boy, Brad, no nickname Tavares, <laughs> winning by decision. Okay, okay, I see you. See, I, uh, I saw this one going a little differently. Um... Duplacis, first of all, he's on a he's on a four fight win streak. His last two were the first in his UFC, so yes, he's a young UFC fighter overall. Um, but he's got one career loss before that, um, and 
he's absolutely destroying guys. Um, you know, but his only other loss before um, was a title rematch before he joined the UFC, a guy that he had knocked out already. Um, so I think that's definitely important to acknowledge. Um, and also the fact that, yeah, Brad, no nickname, Tavares, is a, he's a journeyman, dude. He has been fighting since 2007, and he's been in the UFC since 2010. That's me. That means he's been fighting pretty high-level competition for 12 years. That it's impressive. It's it's oh it's it's really impressive. But that you know those those 26 fights just take a toll. Um, mm-hmm. So I see um, you know I do see at the end of the day I see a, a Duplessis uh, KO in round one. I think that your point of if it gets past the second round. Um, then yeah, Tavares, Tavares probably has the um, has the advantage there. Um, but I think it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, we see Tavares is a is a plus one hundred underdog with a nineteen and seven overall record with Duplessis minus one twenty favorite sixteen and two overall for this middleweight bout. Going to be interesting to see who comes out on top. It will be interesting to see. Looking forward to it. Oh yeah, I, I again kicking myself that it's Wednesday. <laughs> next, on uh, next we got uh, in the future, Gary versus Gabriel Gifted Green. That's some nice alliteration there with the three G's. I like that. But yeah, really, we, we got uh, Ian coming out. The future coming out minus one sixty five, a nine and zero undefeated record versus Gabriel Gifted Green, a plus one forty underdog who is an eleven and three record for this welterweight 170 pound uh bout um i'll start off for 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 this one um you know this this is going to be an interesting fight because ian gary he's he's gifted but he's young uh he's had nine career fights um and only two in the ufc uh on his ufc debut he got a round one knockdown and or sorry knockout after which uh, he declared, like his, I think, idol, Conor McGregor, that the Irish are taking over once again. Um, and I was a little skeptical. I thought, all right, just another Irish kid thinking. And trust me, I'm, I'm fully Irish. I, I want the kid to succeed. I wanted him to be the real deal. But I was skeptical. And then he came out with a gritty decision win um, in his next his next fight, which... I thought was impressive. He got battered around a little bit, and he came back. Um, Green, Gabe Green, on the other hand, uh, you know, he he fought his first... He's, he's had three fights in the UFC, um, so only slightly more um, UFC experience than than Gary. Um, he's He lost his UFC debut. Granted, he, he took that on short notice, and then he's won his last two. Um, so he's on a win streak. He's feeling good. My thing is that he he has a tendency to drop his hands and just try and throw bombs, stuff like that, kind of rush in a little bit um, mm-hmm. to, to, to get the KO. Um, and I think I think that he that leaves him open to kind of some looping uh, looping um, you know right hooks and stuff and you know, Gary is a lanky guy. I think that he gets this by by third round TKO. I think those he drops his hands. I think he rushes in, and I think that Gary absolutely absolutely drops him. Forbes, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think Green is kind of hittable. You know, he can be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, when he takes those shots, leaves himself vulnerable. And I'm gonna also ride with you on Gary um, TKO knockout third round. Yeah, I mean, uh, trust me, I want this this hype train to to keep on chugging, um, and I want him to be the second coming of Conor McGregor since Conor McGregor seems to have uh, gone away, the real one at least. So um, yeah, I want this. I want I want him to win here. I think I think this is going to be a great fight, though. Uh, yeah. So what do we have? Lastly, we got. Uh, uh, 
Oh, sorry. No, we have two more fights. Wow, this is... We have uh, Jim A10 Miller versus everybody's favorite, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. <laughs> we got Miller coming in at a minus 220 favorite, 34-16-0, uh, with one no contest. Cowboy's a plus 180 underdog, 36-16-0, with two no, uh, no contests. I mean... We always love seeing seeing Cowboy fight. I'll, you know, I'll start off. I'll say that this is you know this is a rematch from eight years ago, uh, probably right. probably when both of these guys were in their prime. Um, Cowboy won via head kick. Um, it was his fourth straight during an eight fight uh, streak that led to him with a, led to him getting a title shot, which he ultimately lost against Dos Anjos. Um, I, I don't think either fighter is going to take really anything from. This fight, or from their previous fight, uh, it's so long ago. It, uh, I don't think it will change and everything. I think that the two most important things, one, Cowboy hasn't won since 2018. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, you know, he's always ready to hop into the octagon and just, you know, get his, you know, throw punches and, and make an exciting fight for the fans. But he hasn't won in a while. And what's worse is... He spent just about the last two months um, prepping for a lightweight bout against Joe Luzon. Um, so that was initially supposed to happen a couple, like a, a, in I think early May um, or late mid May. Cowboy had food poisoning. I think the day of canceled it. You know, they everyone knows Cowboy wouldn't pull out for anything that isn't absurdly serious. So everyone knew he wasn't faking. So they, you know, rebooked it for a couple weeks later. Um, that's looking good to go. Then, um, you know, Luzon has some unexpected ankle injuries out for that fight too. So now, on two weeks' notice, um, Cowboy's coming in to fight this welterweight bout, which is 15 pounds heavier. He hasn't had he hasn't had his five weeks five week training camp. He hasn't been able to put on decent poundage. If he's put on poundage, it's just from you know. Drinking a bunch of beers and eating a shit ton of burgers. Uh, so I'm a little, you know, I love Cowboy. I want him to I want him to win. I want him to to go out with one more win before he retires. I think he deserves it. But uh, with this one, uh, with the little prep time that he had, I think that, that Miller gets a KO in round two, uh, which pains me. It pains me to say it, but... That's kind of how it's been going for for Cowboy recently, um, and I, God, I hope I'm wrong on this one. What do you got, <clears throat> Forbes? I hope I'm wrong too, man. I'm gonna have to agree <laughs> with you, especially looking at Cowboy. You know, the admiration we both have for Cowboy, and looking at the odds. You know, what is he at? Like 180 plus 180 or so? He's uh, mean, yeah, he's a plus 180 underdog. Yeah, I mean, the value's definitely there, but, you know, hasn't won since 2018, you know, picking up a fight within two weeks, like, you know, typically, you know. And at a higher weight class. And at a higher weight class, you know, it will be an uphill battle. One that Cowboy could definitely live up to the moment for, don't get me wrong, but I'm going to have to agree with you. I'm fading Cowboy. Yeah, I uh, I hope we're both wrong on this one, but if, if history is is anything of a of an indication we probably are right on that one which gets us to our final prelim fight insane to, pretty insane uh, to say we have now we have brad quake riddell versus jalen <laughs> the tarantula turner we got riddell coming in as the plus 110 underdog 10 and 2 record with tarantula turner coming in a minus 130 favorite 12 and 5 what do you think, Nando? Well, like you said, man, Jalen the Tarantula Turner is coming in eight inches taller. Forbes, eight you know, inches. My, my data got... said seven, but I'm always uh, I'm always willing to hope it's more. <laughs> always, anyways, and he also, you know, by virtue has that reach advantage, which yeah. should be, I believe, five to five or six. Six inches. Um, six inches, which is there a lot. Which is a lot, which is a lot. Interesting enough, though, I think this one is going to be a tough battle for both. Um, you know, I think Turner might be the, the 
the better um, grappler. But you know what? I think this is going to be, you know, I think this is going to be a little bit of a dogfight. I think that Riddle has, Riddell, sorry, <laughs> has a bit of an advantage if you look at the decisions. Forbes, Riddell is 5-0 and when it comes to decisions compared to the Tarantula, who is 0-2. And you know what? Yes, I do see this being an absolute dogfight, and I do think this is going to go to the decision. So I'm going to take our boy Brad Riddell on this one, the plus money. Interesting, interesting. I'm going to, yeah, this one is one I'm going to disagree with you on. Um, to, to Riddell's credit, you know, his last five fights, his only losses against Fitziev, which is, I think was like a uh, some type of, I don't know, he got KO'd and it was bad, but it was, you know, it's Fitziev who's an absolute monster. Um, and before that, he was on an absolute hot streak. Um, and, you know, he used to have the power to knock people out, but his last five wins, yeah, they've come by decision. So it's it's a question of has he, has he lost that to some extent. Um, one thing I will say for him is that he trains with, Izzy, the last style bender, and Alexander, the great Volkanovsky. So, you know, his striking's going to be on point. His cardio is probably going to be on point. Um, and he's going to be well prepared. But, dude, Turner is, is the man. I mean, his nickname lines up. He will climb all over you, get a submission from anywhere. Uh, with two of his last three wins coming by submission, um... He also has lightning quick combos. I mean, he's known for his six punch combos that just get in, get out, and and he's, uh, you know, going off. So, yeah, I, I'm gonna go in with Turner by a second round KO. I think that the submissions are gonna be a worry for Riddell, and then that's gonna turn into just tentativeness. That's gonna lead to openings that Turner's just gonna absolutely capitalize on. It's a fair take. It's a fair take. They don't call him the tarantula for no reason. Nope. I'll tell you that much. And I'll tell you what. I hate tarantulas, but I'm still picking them. <laughs> Me and you both, partner. <laughs> Scary-looking animals. All right, and there is the bell for the second round. We will see you at the third. What's up, fight fans? Welcome to round three of the inaugural episode of The Mat, a podcast of the final timeout sports i am forbes crowley joined by my co-host fernando doctors we're gonna go a little bit past ufc 276 for this one and talk about future fights future future potential fights and anything interesting that might cross the ufc mind so my first question is who might mcgregor fight next and when That's a good question, man. And you know what? I'll give the people what they want. I'm looking forward to a potential McGregor-Mosbyal bout. Have you been following what we've been seeing? Oh, I've been seeing it. Before before we get into that, I want to hear... I I definitely want to hear that. I want to hear what do you think about the talks of McGregor potentially coming back and granted, if uh, so, preface Oliveira versus uh, Islam is supposed to be for later this year, may, uh, maybe I think October or something like that. But um, uh-huh. if either if that falls through, or if McGregor waits a really long time or fairly long time um, for the result, what are your thoughts on McGregor saying I should just uh, you know I'm just gonna wait and I'm gonna get a, a title fight against Oliveira because he's expressed interest about it, not because he wants to beat me as a fighter, but because, you know, he knows that McGregor's the cash cow at this point. So what do you think about that? How do you think fight fans would react? How, how do you think? Uh, yeah, just, yeah. Let's, let's hear reactions. I think that the prospect of an Oliveira fight is, could be on the horizon, to be honest. It really, it really could be. Like you said, McGregor is that cash cow. 
yes, McGregor has been fading since, you know, he lost both times to Poirier and he's been his his arrow is definitely trending down, you know, his value is definitely trending down. Yep. That being said, I think well first off, do we know what his health status is right now? Like where is the notorious right now? Like he, um, in terms of I believe he's been saying that late 2022 is uh, is the timetable for him returning to fight. He's seems like he, you know, I've seen videos of him uh, kicking the bag and everything. So he's, you know, he's doing some type of training. Whether or not he's doing hard sparring and stuff like that, I don't know. But uh, within the end of this year, I believe. That's interesting. I I think that the chances of him fighting Oliveira would be I I want to believe that that'll happen. I think that could be a fun fight. I also think Tony Ferguson could be a good one too mm. for him. You know, given his current position. Yeah, I like that. And all things considered. Yeah. Um, I like that. I, I think that um I think that that's maybe a uh a fight that McGregor would maybe kind of scoff at and be like, you know, I'm not fighting this this bum who's lost what his last like four fights, but um you know, I I think it would be a good fight for him. I think, you know, a couple weeks ago, last week, Mike Tyson said he thinks, you know, McGregor should kind of ease back into it. He should um, fight, you know, not the top guys because when he's tried to come back, he's come back. You know, when when he came back and fought Cowboy, what did he do? He, he messed him up in the first round. Then he came back and what was he? He tried to – he fought – uh, Habib to for the title, and he got right. destroyed. There was no point in that fight. You know, he won one round, which granted was the only round that Khabib has ever scored to have lost. But he was still never winning that fight. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that he should he should fight a, a a Tony Ferguson first because I mean I don't know if at this point he's he's thinking about it. I'm sure he is, but that's you know. Anytime he gets in the ring, he's going to make millions upon millions of dollars. And so why not fight a Tony Ferguson? Um, right. I think one of the things that he would think about is the fact that, you know, Tony Ferguson did drop Michael Chandler once in the first round. Um, and so, you know, while we may kind of clown Tony Ferguson for that picture and that uh, insane front kick, you know, he's not done. He's still a fighter. He's still, you know, the guy who was on a 12-fight win streak. And, you know, the guys that he's lost to were Justin Gaethje, interim title champion, title challenger. Um, then he lost to Oliveira, uh, current champion. Uh, and then Michael Chandler, who's, uh, you know, probably going to get another shot soon. So I think that the smart thing for him would to would be to, to to fight a guy like uh like Tony Ferguson, I think that in a war of words, he gets pissed off enough that Jorge Masvidal could entice him into a fight. I think that the weight mm-hmm. class, I think the weight class would be a, a big decision, but I think that he could. I think that they they could they could end up scrapping at some point because you know. McGregor went up to to welterweight at one seventy and fought Nate Diaz on semi short notice and um, you know it's something he's willing to do and honestly you know you look at the pictures of the man right now and he looks like he's more in welterweight shape than he is in lightweight so I don't know what are your, what are your thoughts there? That's true. He he is definitely not in lightweight anymore and. You know, if you think about, you know, the identity of Masvidal and as McGregor, they are those bad boys that, you know, like to talk their shit, you know, and this could be what the viewers want, you know, and what the viewers need, you know, they're go back and forth. They have their own kind of style. You know, you got the Irish, the Irish gangster and McGregor versus the street fighter from down my down in Miami and Masvidal like this could be this could be entertaining not all not just in the octagon but you know things could start to heat up even more outside and you know one thing could lead to the other and these two might just find themselves there 
trying to kick each other's ass. Yeah, I mean, I think that definitely the fans would like nothing more than that. So from that, if we disregard um, McGregor as a potential uh, opponent for Masvidal, who do we see Masvidal fighting next, given that he's coming off of three straight losses, uh, a decision, a uh, absolute cold knockout, which you saw live, and a domination of a decision against Colby Covington, followed by, of course, his embarrassment of, of jumping the dude. <laughs> so, um, so, before I even get into my answer there, what where do we stand on the charges? So, I know he's He's getting charged for something, right? And what, what's, how's that situation going? I believe, again, don't, I wouldn't say quote me on this, but I believe it's it's a type of battery charge. Um, uh, I think he's going to try, my guess is he'll try and you know plead it down to a misdemeanor or something. But, you know, if, if Colby's fully prepared to uh, pursue this, he would, you know, obviously you'd have to be a witness himself. You would have to do a lot of things and sacrifice a lot of pride, which I'm not sure he's willing to do, which, you know, by, you know, his tweets after the fact, he doesn't seem like he is, but Masvidal could go to jail. I don't think, it's not going to happen in my opinion, but, um, you know, he's kind of in that um, twilight zone where he's, he definitely has to worry about it um, while still training and trying to get a potential fight. Um, so, you know, I do think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to fight and everything, you know, it's, uh, will do some, you know, community service or something to make up for it. Um, but he'll be fine. My guess is he'll fight again in 2022. Got you. Then you know what, Forbes? I think it's game, it's in game bread's best decision to try and land the McGregor fight. I think it's in his best decision. Who really wants to fight Masvidal right now? You know what I mean? Did he not just recently turn 37, you know? Yeah. Like you said, he's lost his last few fights. And, you know, like, he was a bit of that, you know, that hot commodity, you know, yeah, a few I mean, years he, he back. Had... But now, you know, he's similarly to McGregor, you know, he's not in his prime. And it's like, you know, who who really should fight him? I think that. This really is setting up a McGregor Masvidal whole fight of the, of the of the guys that you know are entertainers. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, and in my in my opinion, I think that's the best fight for him because again, McGregor has to come up and wait to him a weight that he's already comfortable at, um, and beat a bit a, a comfortably bigger guy. So yeah, and so I think he's in his best, even though you know. Granted, McGregor's always dangerous. I mean, the, the guy's left hand is concrete, so um, can't obviously ever count that out. But Masvidal, he, he does have, I think, a couple other options. Um, I don't know if you've seen recently the, kind of the beef between um, uh, Dana White and Nate Diaz. Nate wants to get released or wants to get a fight, and no one will do it, uh, and apparently he can't get one booked and they've you know he and Dana White have jabbed back and forth on Twitter um but he's he wants a fight he wants a fight by the end of the year I think that you know people could be interested in a Masvidal Diaz 2 um, mm-hmm. for the BMF belt um it's a good point you know that that first fight was stopped because of a doctor stoppage because of a cut that um, Nate Diaz had, I believe, just over his eye, and as we know, both those Diaz brothers have uh, an absurd amount of just cartilage on their skin, just or scar tissue, sorry, um, on their foreheads and on their faces because they've, you know, they've been fighting for so long they bleed. Um, so I, I don't think anyone was really satisfied with that win. So I could see that being a, a fight and being a big draw. Um, and you know one last one that I could imagine which is which I think would be absolutely ridiculous but um, I think is kind of so Leon Edwards said uh, if he wins uh, 
the belt, he would give Masvidal, like, you know, a fight. And they had their famous um, three-piece in a soda where Masvidal, you know, punched him in the face a couple times backstage after a fight, uh, or after a fight night. And so, mm-hmm. um, while Leon Edwards was waiting for Kamara Usman to recover from his, I believe, wrist surgery, Masvidal tried to get that fight with him, and Edwards was just like, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to risk a potential title fight just to fight you, you bum. <laughs> um, and But now, when it's, now that he has the title fight, he said that if he wins it in his title defense, he would give Masvidal um, a chance to, to win the, or Masvidal a chance to, to fight him and win the belt, which I think is ridiculous. First of all, just because um, he's not going to win. Kamaru Usman's going to absolutely destroy him. Um, but second of all, that he would try and get a an Owen last three fight fighter to be his first title defense after he rejected the fight uh, before his title defense is just a clear cry or sign of weakness that he's just looking for the money fights um, and so yeah I, I I think he's got a couple options I think McGregor's the best one and probably the most realistic depending on though just what McGregor kind of does um, in, in between his recovery. But on that note, uh, and talking about, talking about Usman, um, you kind of just heard my, my opinion, but how, uh, how do you think he fares in his rematch against uh, Leon Edwards? Man, it, betting against Usman is like betting against Tom Brady Forbes. Let me tell you <laughs> what that Headset died. Um, all good, all good. But, but Usman is simply a different breed. I think that that would be an extremely exciting fight. One that I would love to see. But, as, you know, as I aforementioned earlier, um, in regards to Usman being one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the game, I would have to back him, you know, until... You know, until I see a reason not to. Yeah, um, I, I definitely agree. Um, I see... Uh, uh, I'm not really worried about an Usman opponent until, you know, maybe we see Kamzat uh, or one of these newer guys uh, come come and challenge because he's, you know, he's like Izzy. He's lapping everybody in the division. Um, so mm-hmm. we, we need these newer guys, but... So yeah, I think that this will probably this is definitely one of our shorter conversations in that I think that he's going to rock him. I think that his you know, he was already an absolute beast of a wrestler and his striking in the past couple of fights has gotten so much better. I mean that uh, the domination and clean striking against Masvidal in their rematch was insane. I think he um even more, I think he dominantly won his rematch with Colby Covington, and even though Colby will continue to talk, 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 but um, so yeah, I, I don't see him going down uh, this year. I'll say that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think I think the last interesting uh, interesting bit of news that we got is, is that Dana White uh, this week said that. Uh, John Jones is, is ready to go, and he's at heavyweight, and he's going to be either fighting against Stipe or Francis Ngannou. What are your thoughts on that? Is is John Jones really ready to go? Is Dana White talking out of his ass? Is Ngannou going to sign? Let's hear it. I think I see I see Ngannou signing this. Um, you know, I don't know if you saw. Um, Izzy's comments on the situation, you know, he took uh, he took a few jabs at John Jones, you know, about the you know whole drug testing, U.S. anti-doping, whatever, so on and so forth situation. Um, but you know what, Francis Ngannou, I think, has built the confidence to and has as his own kind of swagger to you know what say f this, I don't care. Like, I can take this and, 
you know what? I think I think John Jones could think he's could think he's ready. You know, I think that taking taking time away can always you know can ruin a bit of a rhythm. But I do think that Francis Ngannou could and should take this take a fight. Um, as he really is uh, an unstoppable force in his division. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that last part. I mean, the guy has... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely would agree with that. I mean, the guy's uh, dominated everybody in his in his division. Uh, I mean, the last one against Cyril Gaon, uh Everyone was just like the the technicality of gone and the the, uh, the wrestling of gone is gonna um, just overwhelm Ngannou and he turned into a wrestler and won that with uh, a torn or torn ACL I believe or torn MCL or something and um, so I think we have no idea the growth and the full skill level of Francis Ngannou because. Uh, he's just absolutely risen to the challenges that he's been faced with so far. Um, I Yeah, I just think the biggest thing is getting him back to the UFC. I think that he and Dana White have really driven a wedge between each other. Um, they've gone online and Twitter and jabbed back and forth and seemed to air some dirty laundry and stuff about each other. So... They really don't like each other, um, it seems like, you know, and Dana White didn't wrap the belt around Nganu after he beat Cyril Gaon. A lot of people think it's because he was pissed off that that was the outcome. He wanted Gaon to win, then either uh, Nganu would have less of a stature to go fight Tyson Fury on a, you know, multi-million dollar boxing deal, or he, you know, would just come crawling back to the promotion and um, find, sign, you know, another one of the UFC's pretty cut-rate deals uh, to come back and, and try and win his belt back. So I think that's a big problem. You know, you've seen Tyson Fury kind of back out um, of this potential boxing match a little bit. So I think that might drive... Nganu back to the UFC a little bit. Um, but I know that Stipe is ready to take that fight at a second's notice. Um, so my guess is, is I see it being Stipe versus John Jones, and um, John Jones is going to win that. I mean, I love Stipe, but John Jones is just a different human being. I think it's not going to make that much. I mean, he spent two years gaining the weight to fight uh, to move up from light heavyweight, and I think it's just going to it's going to be insane uh, if that fight ever happens. But I, I've got John Jones. As much as I hate the dude, I, I think I, I think he'd win. Yeah, I would agree. John Jones, I think, would take Stipe. But that would be a great fight as well, honestly. Yeah, no matter what, Can't I think. Can't go wrong uh, there. Yeah, exactly. I think no matter what the... That would be uh, that would be another card we would have to spend an absurdly long amount of time uh, talking about. <laughs> And there is the final bell of round three. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of The Mat on our podcast, uh, The Final Time Out. I'm Forbes Crowley, joined by my co-host, Fernando Doctors. Thanks for coming by.